everyone. Welcome to the Weird World Podcast. Hi. Hi. I'm Carrie. Who are you? I'm Dean. What, what are you going to talk to us about today, Dean? UFOs. It's been a while since we did a UFO Wait, I episode. thought they were renamed. They are. Actually, sometimes now more and more being called UAPs, which in our previous podcast, I think I screwed up, but that stands for Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. Okay. It's, it's a little more generic, which is good because UFOs. Um, they're not always flying. Maybe they're floating. Gonna, yeah, I was going to say okay. that. So over the years, there are a lot of explanations for, we'll just call them UFOs, if you don't mind. <laughs> wow. Because you, you, you know what? UAP doesn't f- just flow out of your mouth. Yes. And like UFO, UFO also has a connotation of, you know, aliens. And I want to have that connotation here. So okay. things like planets, refracted lights, balloons, much in the news lately, flares, birds, ball lightning, and then, of course, there was my favorite swamp gas as an excuse for UFOs. Those are yeah. kind of flumes of natural methane that sometimes light up and f- kind of flare up and freak people out. Around swamps. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> swamp gas as a cause for UFO sightings came from an event in March of 1966 when witnesses in Washita County and other parts of Michigan reported seeing lights up in the sky. Mm-hmm. The lights hovered and darted, unlike airplanes or blimps or something like that, or planets certainly, or anything else people can think of. One county sheriff in the area, or I guess a sheriff's deputy, he said, quote, it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Became a big news story. Then Congressman, later President Gerald Ford, called, called for an investigation. And there actually was one. It was led by a guy named J. Allen Hynek. You ever heard of him? Nope. Hynek was a researcher, and he worked as a consultant, really, for the federal government investigating UFOs. He was kind of he was oh. an expert in that and he worked for the government at off and on from nineteen forties all the way through the closing of Project Blue Book in nineteen sixty nine, which wow. was the last US governmental effort to systematically understand UFOs. I think they're still doing it. They just went underground. Maybe. Well, they actually are still kind of, it, it looks like we're getting back into it. I'm not counting the the supposed person who, you know, there's a whole nother can of worms where the tic-tac-toe. Yeah. The tic-tac-toe, <laughs> the tic-tac thing. <laughs> where that guy says, oh, I was the U.S. government. Yeah. He's, he's a fraud. It was just, it was just one Nevada Senator, Harry Reid, Reid said, here's, I, you know, he made, essentially made the Pentagon spend $25 million looking at UFOs. And this, they gave this guy an office and said, go have your fun until you run out of money. It's hey, not real. You have lots of letters after your name. Why don't you apply for that job? I should, actually. Yeah. It's not a bad idea. I'll think about it. Thank I you. I mean, the letters after your name don't have anything to do with UFOs or No, they, they like really that. don't. But, but, you know. <laughs> Heineck, I don't even know what but feel now that I think about it, Heineck was from. He was the guy who made up the uh, the categories that we get, like close encounters of the third kind. Oh, yeah. The third kind, fifth kind, whatever, where the third kind meant um, actual you know, human contact and right. made Richard Drivers turn, mush, I think, mashed potatoes into a mountain. Mm-hmm. Heineck went to Michigan in 1966 to check out this rash of sightings. According to someone named Harry Wilnius, and he was a local teacher in the area. He also was investigating the lights. So I'm going to assume he was an amateur UFO enthusiast. He said that Heineck went out to the swampy area with a local sheriff's deputy over which the lights had been seen in the recent past. And they so they looked around on the drive back in. Heineck told the sheriff supposedly that um, I have no idea what's causing these sightings. Back at the sheriff's station, Heineck got a call from Washington, D.C. Wilnius later said that, quote, Heineck stepped out of the office, took the call, came back in a few minutes later. Harvey, 
who was the sheriff, described him as looking a bit shaken. He had his head down and he was mumbling, swamp gas, swamp gas. It was swamp gas. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Heineck knew what swamp gas was, end quote. So that's sort of the origin of this idea of swamp gas, and, and Heineck brought it up. That story, as told that way, is from local UFO enthusiast slash teacher, Harry Wilnius, so I have no idea how credible of a source will know he may have made the whole thing up to make it sound dumb, because he was a UFO uh, enthusiast, so I don't know. But, in fact, swamp gas as an excuse for UFOs is really dumb. It's not a thing. It's not a possibility. It's super rare. It stays very low to the ground. It's like methane. It's not even clear if it could spontaneously ignite if you hold a match to it. Yeah, you have this kind of pop and this flare sound, and it's over in a second or two. Well, right. In, in no world can that become lights up in the sky doing amazing things. Right. So it's, it's just a it's a really dumb excuse. If indeed Heineck did use it as an excuse in 1966, it was foolish. Was he given orders from, yeah. from Washington? That's that's dumb. That that very likely never happened. I don't know how much I trust Wilmius, but it, or or at least it was you know willfully misinterpreted. But anyway, whether or not that was a made up story or not, doesn't mean swamp gas is a good excuse for for UFOs because it's not. So now, more recently, we've had all these balloons, some of them Chinese weather right. weather balloons, and some of them Chinese spy balloons, and it's kind of it seems like it's pushing UFOs closer to the mainstream. Yeah. In fact, I think there's some there's a call from Congress now to actually set up some kind of government agency or something to look into it, to look into it more. Well, I would think we already have one. Well, certainly defense agencies and defense intelligence agencies, which we have something like 17 national intelligence agencies. Yeah, or are, the FAA. Would, the FAA might, the Air Force might, the Navy might if it's warranted. Um, they certainly have invested, like, again, going back to the tic-tac-toe, Flight. They absolutely got to keep on saying that. The Tic Tac <laughs> UFO from a while back, which I think is is as close to an unexplained uh, case of UFO as we've come. Right. It was it was investigated by the Navy, and, and they essentially were not sure what caused it. What we're going to be talking about today, though, also we're going to stay in Michigan, but this case I would argue is maybe the best case for a a true UFO event that we just don't have a good answer for. A, a, a major event, a rash of sightings with hundreds of witnesses allegedly seeing these things in the sky and no, and, and even radar hits, significant hits on radar with no real explanation of, of what it was. It sometimes has, has been called the Lake Michigan event or the Lakefront event. We, we might call it the Muskegon Lights. I've heard it called that. Some people call also the Holland sightings. Hollands is one of the towns where this happened. Whatever you want to call it, though, it's one of the most amazing UFO episodes in the history of America, or UFOs, period. So let's start. Okay. March 8th, 1994. Hmm. Oh, and by the way, if you're a fan of the rebooted Unsolved Mysteries program on Netflix, then this is for they have an episode about this. And it's, it's pretty well done. They talk to most of the principals. It seems relatively fair. Not all of their stuff that looks into when they tend to look into, into unsolved mysteries. I think they do a, like murders. They do a pretty good job when they look into things like this. Like uh, you know, there was a UFO based one on I think season two, and it was in hindsight they they left some critical things out, and it was it was not super well balanced. This one, from what everything I've read, you know, appears to be pretty well done and, mm. and fairly balanced. Okay. So March eighth, nineteen ninety four. Local police stations and 9-11 dispatchers starting getting just tons of calls. 
towns all along the western edge of Michigan. So Michigan, on its western side, borders Lake Michigan, one of the Great Lakes, one of the biggest lakes in the world. And it's kind of, think of it as, if you know where Chicago, Illinois, Illinois, Illinois <laughs> is, <laughs> listeners, then this area of Michigan is to the northeast of that across Lake Michigan. Got it? Helpful? Sure. Okay, yeah. let's hope so. Middle of the of the North American continent, kind of. So studying in all these these calls coming in and saying very consistently the same thing. There are lights in the sky. They're doing weird stuff. These can't be airplanes. What's going on? Do you know about it? Do you have any ideas? Like people would say, do you know of any like military maneuvers going on? Because there's some crazy lights doing stuff. I don't understand this. This can't be happening. Mm-hmm. One of those baffled Michiganders was a woman named Cindy Pravda. She lived in Grand Haven, one of these towns along the western Michigan coast against Lake Michigan. And she, on this night, was in the kitchen talking on the phone to her friend Edna. So imagine one of those, you know, long, twisty cords walking along the kitchen. Suddenly she looks out the window and she sees something. It's about nine o'clock. And she sees very bright light, at least one. There'd later be more in the sky. And she said that they, these lights, they glowed so brightly, she thought at first she's looking at a full moon. Mm-hmm. But then she looked closer and she saw that there were actually four distinct lights. So we on Earth only have the one moon. Right. So she knew she was not looking at the moon. And she told Edna, quote, I got UFOs in my backyard. And she hung up <laughs> and, and went outside to go look. I think she um, got her husband. I think her husband was... I can't remember if this is, this might be a different one, but there's a couple of, of witnesses I'll talk about. But so she goes outside and Cindy sees that these lights are in a straight line. They're stationary at this point. So think of a straight um, horizontal line mm-hmm. right across the skyline. They're up, up high in the sky. It, she said it was above the tree line. This is kind of a forested, semi-small towny kind of area there. And... She did not get the sense that she could really see an object. They didn't seem like lights to her. Other mm-hmm. witnesses would, would seem to get close enough to, to see an object, but not her. She, she felt that they're so distant she couldn't get the sense of an object, just lights. But they're doing impossible things. They're making no sound. And a horse in the field below them, they're so bright that they lit up this meadow. And wow. she had a, there's a horse out there, and the horse seemed to be completely you know, calm. It yeah. it, so these things were high enough or distant enough where they weren't surprising or scaring the horse quote i watched them for half an hour when i'm facing them the one on the far left moved off it moved to the highway and then came back in the same position the one to the right was gone in a blink of an eye and then eventually everything disappeared quickly so she's doing these strange things the one Mm -hmm. going off and coming back and the other one zooming off very quickly and and over time they sort of faded out and disappeared quote again I'm known as the UFO lady of Grand Haven, she said, with a pretty good sense of humor. She's, by the way, on the Unsolved Mystery Wait, Show. she's the UFO lady because of this? Or? Because of this. She was, oh, okay. she was one of the first one people to call in, I think. And, you know, in Grand Haven, she was one of the – I mean, the people saw it, again, all up and down various different towns. So it's not like there was a bunch of people just in Grand Haven. There was just – but yeah. she happened to be looking out. Again, this is fairly late at night on a school day, Yeah, I think. I'd have to look that up. I think it was. <laughs> but um, so she she saw it. But unfortunately, though, she had no cell phone, of course, at the time. But right. apparently she didn't have a camera either. 
just a regular camera. Because if you're watching these things for half an hour, if they're, they're, I don't know, what's the five minutes at some point? Okay, I've seen for five minutes. Yeah. You, at first, you think I don't want to look away; they'll disappear. But if they've been for there for five or ten minutes, don't you go get a camera? Yeah, maybe she didn't have a camera. She must yeah. not have. But in 1994, didn't everyone have a camera? No. I feel like everyone had a camera. Wow, Dean. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't know. Privilege? No, not at all. I mean, we were dirt would, poor. I mean, we had a camera. So, face. Did we? Did we? I'm talking about my childhood. Oh, well. I did not Since we were adults and married in 1994. Oh, I bet you we we had a camera. I mean, we must have because. Just even if it's just a cheap little camera, people would have a camera. I don't know. But anyway, she didn't take any pictures. In fact, I'll I'll talk about later. There's really almost no pictures of these, no good pictures anyway. Cindy was one of hundreds of witnesses, it would turn out, who saw these bright, orbs lighting the skies all over western michigan and all, even into the central part of the state by the time the the witnesses had stopped making phone calls there were sightings in 42 counties of michigan which is almost half the number of counties michigan is one of those eastern states in the u.s where they have a lot of small counties and we're in the in the west here where our counties tend to be much much larger back east and in the olden days i think a county was like the distance you can ride a horse in a day or something like that, or, or cut, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So they have lots of little counties, but still, basically almost half the state of Michigan, the western half of Michigan, had, had was blanketed with these sightings. Another one of those hundreds of witnesses was a woman named Holly Graves, and she was from Holland, which is about 22 miles further south from Grand Haven. Her 14-year-old son and 10-year-old daughter were in the living room, I think watching TV, she and her husband were in bed. It's around 9.30. And by the way, I'm giving that time, and it does agree with roughly with uh, Cindy, but I don't know. Nothing I read said exactly when she she had her initial sighting, but on the Unsolved Mysteries episode, they showed a clock and it said 9.30, so it's good enough for me. <laughs> okay. But about this time, their son, Joey, screamed out and said, there's lights out here. Everybody come out here. There's lights. There's something in the sky. And again, the lights were so bright that they said it was like there was a spotlight being shown into their house. Oh, wow. I mean, that's, that's a very bright light. So these ones yeah. appear to have been much, much, much closer to the ground than the lights that Cindy Graves saw. Wait, is this, I'm sorry, Cindy Pravda saw. This is Holly Graves and her family that saw this. The lights went to their east and southeast, which would indicate more inland in Michigan. Most of the time, these lights would, would go out to the west over Lake Michigan. And so they seem to them, even though they, they're very, very bright, they seem to them that they're pretty far up in the sky, but still they called 9-11. Yeah. And they just wondered to the police what's going on. Quote, it looks like a string of Christmas lights that's way up in the sky. End quote. That's what the, I believe the husband, the, the, he got up and he's talking on the phone while they're all looking at it, uh, calling 911. Their son, Joey, would later tell the Detroit Free press, quote, I saw six lights out the window above the barn across the street. I got up and went to the sofa and looked up at the sky. They were red and white and moving, end quote. Hmm. So now they're turning colors. Yeah. Holly's husband, Daryl, Joey's dad, he led the family outside and they all wanted to get a better, better look. And at this point, they do get the sense that there's a solid object there. And they even estimated it to be something like 300 feet long. Are tall, sort of like a think of like a vertical cylinder kind of a shape. So now it's close enough that they can make it out and and see that it's an object. And Um, all the lights are on the same object. Yes, which doesn't make sense from the other report. 
Well, unless there's lots of them or multiple objects, plural, okay. right? So this one, at least, it moved really slowly, but it didn't seem to then be moving like a blimp, let alone a plane or any really anything they'd ever seen in the sky. Again, it was shaped like a cylinder. And they said, it must have been close enough because they said it seemed to be made of something like chrome. So there must have been some oh, kind of shiny. a sense of, of shininess to it, exactly, and a metallic version, which in any case is pretty damn close. And as it's at night, remember? Yeah. It revolved. So it turned around on itself. It had no windows that they could see. And then these multicolored lights were... At this point, they formed a circle along the bottom of it. So think like a okay. cylinder with some kind of a round bottom, and the lights were along the edges of that circle at the bottom. Mm -hmm. The family watched the lights for like 15 to 20 minutes before the sheriff's deputy named Jeff Belthouse arrived at, from the, their 9-11 call. Right. So they sent someone. I, I, he heard it. He was not too far away. So he drove out there. He says, and he, by the way, is also on the Unsolved Mysteries show, and he said that he wasn't a believer in it. And in fact, on the drive out there, he's like, going, okay, let me think. What's going to be? Is it a plane? Is it well, fire? Is it is it some kind of a um, you know airplane or airfield lights? Who knows? I'll figure it out when I get there. Yeah. Type of thing. Did he not look up in the sky? Because he did not see them on, until he got out there. Oh, okay. That's what at least that's that's indicated. So Holly and Daryl meet him when he gets there they they come outside and they meet him out there and they all look up and they see these two now moving lights and they're heading now southwest which is toward the lake they're high enough that they could have been an airplane but all the witnesses said they just didn't move like airplanes they didn't act like airplanes right they turn at this point they shaded kind of from white to green and they drew a little bit closer together Huh. So again, it's not clear. It seems like there's multiple objects, though, not just one, but the different right. lines. It sure seems like there has to have been lots of objects, at least four or five. One of the lights now moved apart from the other pretty quickly, headed further to the southwest. Again, way too fast to be an airplane. It's mm -hmm. like they're moving kind of slow, then all of a sudden they zip very, very quickly. Something airplanes just don't, don't do. do. Yeah. They, they really can't, but they certainly don't. You don't yeah. have that kind of acceleration. Yeah. Daryl. Well, and they don't hover. They don't ever hover. That'd be a blimp. And blimps don't ever go fast. Mm -hmm. Or a balloon. And balloons don't ever go fast. Yeah. So Daryl, the husband and sheriff's deputy, Velthouse, they watched together for about another 10 minutes or so. And then Velthouse said, I got to go. As he's leaving, suddenly the remaining light, the light that's the one light that was left now, broke into five lights. And then shortly after that, all five of those lights just sort of flickered out and disappeared. Hmm. Velthouse, as he's leaving, is trying to follow the lights, but he's unable to, or, or maybe that's not the point that they disappeared, so he's not able to track them very far from their house. Yeah. Now Velthouse has seen the lights for himself, and he wants to know what's going on too. So he actually contacts a 9-11 dispatcher, and he says, hey, is there any station around here or something like that that you know of that we can track these things on radar. And the dispatcher says, yep, as a matter of fact, I do know. There's a, a National Weather Service station in lovely Muskegon nearby, Michigan, along the western coast of Michigan with Lake Michigan as well. Mm -hmm. And so that dispatcher contacted Jack Bouchong. Jack Bouchong is the star of this Unsolved Mysteries show, really. They interview him you know, extensively throughout. And it really kind of impacted his life. At the time, he was just almost 30 years old. He was a meteorologist at the Muskegon National Weather Service Station. He had been that for three years. He had actually grown up in Muskegon, and this was like his dream job. Right. He always wanted to be a weather guy, and he had, he had to stay home. Yeah. And 
you know, do do his gig. Basically, they're they're monitoring the storms and things like that. That's right. kind of what they did. So they did yeah. have radar. He was alone. He was on the four p.m. to twelve midnight shift, mm-hmm. and it was this just this crystal cool, very calm night. It was like twenty degrees, but really great visibility. He said at least eighty miles in any direction. Clear, calm, you know, a boring night for monitoring the weather, but mm-hmm. a great night for sighting things. Yeah. About 10 p.m., Bouchon got the call from the Ottawa County 911 dispatcher. And the dispatcher said, "We are you getting anything weird on the radar over in southern Ottawa County? Because that's where that dispatcher was getting the calls from. We're getting right. all these calls. People are seeing lights. It's really strange. It's freaking people out. Can you help us? What's going on? Can you look over there? Uh, at this point, Ottawa County dispatchers had already recorded about 60 calls that wow. time now. And the dispatcher said, quote, it's got to be something more to this. Right. So they, they, and people were, you know, there's no, this is not the norm mm-hmm. of a few people freaked out. Bouchon was intrigued, but he wanted to be sur- sure that he, I think he thought he was like being punked. So he actually, when he hung up with that dispatcher, he called back a different, just called, I guess, I don't know if he called 911 or he called a dispatcher. Yeah. And he said, hey, quote, this is the National Weather Service of Muskegon. I was calling to make sure the person that called me was not a hoax. This yeah. new dispatcher said, no, no, no. He was one of our dispatchers. We've been chasing lights down all over that way. And quote. Busong then says, well, what do they look like? This dispatcher says, I don't know. We got a report of something going through the air with lights on it horizontally. Three to four lights going at a high rate of speed up and down and all over the sky. Quote, end quote. Bouchon says, okay, I'm going to take a look. So he, I don't know what you do. You change the radar. I'm not sure exactly what you do, but he's, he would say that he was trained to differentiate kind of atmospheric phenomenon that might fool the radar from, you know, and be able to tell what it was. So he thought he could get to the bottom of this. Yeah. And I think at this point, Velthaus actually calls him as well. So Velthaus got his name, I think, from the dispatcher. So now the sh- he's the sheriff's deputy. Right. He called Bouchong, and they were on the phone for a very long time. It would be recorded, which Bouchong, by the way, at the time, did not know. Oh. And would later uh, redound against him. So, or at least it, yeah. it, it, it really did impact his life and, and not for the better. So he calls, the sheriff's deputy of Velthaus calls Bouchong directly. And they basically, he, Bouchon begins tracking those lights with Velthaus on the phone. And they started, they were discussing like, okay, this guy, let's think of the mundane explanations for these, this UFO. Could it be, there's a nearby radio tower and they just put in some new lights. Do you think that could be it? Things like that, right? They're trying mm-hmm. to, and they are, they're not jumping to the conclusion. This is a UFO. This is aliens from space. Right. As the call went on though, Bouchon, became increasingly more and more excited and he he was describing to Velthaus these quote instantaneous movements end quote of what he thought were cylindrical objects i don't know how he gets that because radar is a blip um or maybe he maybe bouchon had said hey they've been described and and bouchon saw, saw a cylindrical object at the um graves house so I'm, I'm not sure exactly but bouchon the rate the weather guy he tracks one object at about six thousand feet in altitude right Mm-hmm. He's flying, he estimated about 100 miles an hour, which I think could be a small aircraft, but that seems really slow, slow even for yeah. a Piper Cub or something like that. But then Bouchon realized it was big. He said it was way too big to be an aircraft and it was over near a town called South Haven and kind of also at the edge of the lake, kind of um, of, of Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. Bouchon would later say that one object he, he tracked shot up to 5,000 feet then very quickly shot up to 10,000 feet 
like straight up, like impossible maneuvers Mm -hmm. for any kind of terrestrial craft. Quote, it was almost as if it was saying to me, hey, I know you can see me, end quote, he said. Yeah. Which it doesn't seem like that's doing that at all. But it was, these are very brazen. Yeah. So at that point, this object that is doing these funky altitude shifts stops for about 15 seconds and hovers. Again, again, as we know, something an aircraft cannot do. So he's thinking, is it a blimp? But now he's absolutely certain it's not a plane. Again, in terms of the size, it just seemed way, way too large. Quote from Bouchong, planes show as pinpoints on the scope. These were the size of half a thumbnail. I don't know the estimation for that, but that seems gigantic. Yeah. It seems like he was describing something or tracking something that was huge. It was much yeah. bigger than any kind of airplane. And again, doing things that planes can't do and at time doing things that blimps, blimps can't do. Yeah. So then he noticed three separate objects at about 5,000 feet and they were hitting back these very, very strong returns on his radar. They would move together and then come apart. And to Bouchong, these hits indicated that the objects were solid and smooth and a very high polished metal. I guess he determined that because they were super clear and also hmm. from the amount of energy coming back and from the echo. Yeah. But I, you know, I don't have any technical knowledge of radar. Right. But to Bouchong, that indicated to him they were kind of metallic, shiny, gave back great hits. The three objects would jump quickly up in the sky and then they'd hover Again, and, and they seemed to him that they're moving in tandem. And he thought, quote, I cannot think of anything in nature that would play follow the leader like that. It was almost as if it wanted to be seen. I was spooked. I was creeped out. I was nervous. I was shaking, end quote. Ooh. So he's getting freaked out. This yeah. is nothing he's seen before. And he wasn't super experienced, but he'd been a, yeah. a meteorologist for three years at a, weather, at a national weather station. Yeah. Bouchong said the objects were seemingly, quote, coming together and coming apart, moving about 20 miles in each jump. They were hovering, then jumping, hovering, and jumping, end quote. I'm assuming none of this is recorded. Did, uh, yeah, did they it, record it, it, radar Maybe yes, stuff? maybe no. I'll get to that in a okay. minute. It's, it's a little weird that it's not more certain okay. than it was. About, I will get to that. So by this point, the objects mainly moved at around seven to 12,000 feet altitude, right? So they, mm-hmm. again, they've been all over the place, but at, at this point, I, 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 he's been watching for a while. They moved kind of southwest over the lake where towards Chicago, where they eventually hit Chicago. They never did, but at the southern end of the lake, they hovered for a very long time. One source I saw said that they hovered like two or three hours. Wow. They just hung out at the southern edge of Lake Michigan, which by, at that point would not be that far from yeah. the city of Chicago. Nothing I ever read said, said anyone in Chicago saw these things. It was all Western Michigan. Then dozens of other objects came out of three larger objects. So I think this was a different part of the lake. And again, it would be different craft. Yeah. Some of the shapes shot up up to like 55,000 feet altitude in seconds. Bouchong even said one light he saw, he tracked it. It went 20 miles from about the shore to 20 miles out over Lake Michigan, mm-hmm. he said it did that in one second. And he estimated that speed would be 72,000 miles per hour. Wow. That's that's fast. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Bouchong ruled out the objects being refractions of radar because he said their movement and speed indicated to him they weren't some kind of atmospheric something, some refraction right. event also. He said he also raised the antenna to a higher angle to eliminate that possibility? No idea. <laughs> so we're going to have to take his word on that, but he felt sure that they were not some kind of a, of a weather phenomenon. Yeah. 
he, so he started going down the, the line of like technical glitches and, and other weather phenomena. And he just, in his mind, nothing lined up with what he was seeing. Mm-hmm. Quote, the way they, the lights, acted, even though intelligent, they didn't act human. No idea what that means. Huh. Uh, but I mean, not human. Did he mean like not terrestrial? Like they're not acting like human airplanes, I right. guess. But why he would think darting around and hovering and then darting around again is not human. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. we had that technological capability. Yeah. Later, the objects would stop over open water in the middle of Lake Michigan, north of, of which the water was iced over. That is to say, think of Michigan. So it's a long kind of, uh, it's, it goes north to south as much more narrow going east to west, right? Mm-hmm. And it was frozen over, let's say, but the northern half was frozen over. And the plains to him seemed to always move in the southern half, that is to say, over non-frozen open water. And they went no further than what he, I think, I guess, would later estimate, or maybe he knew at the time, yeah. was sort of the northern edge of the open, non-frozen water before it became frozen over. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Okay. He felt that a bunch of the objects then rendezvoused at this point in, let's, huh. I guess that'd be the middle, the center of Lake Michigan. I was going to ask how long this entire episode lasted. Hours. Wow. Hours. He's going to be there till two in the morning. Yeah. So four hours for him, well, probably so, for okay. more like five hours. So somebody else comes. Yes. I'll, I'll get to that one second. Okay. Um, Bouchong asked his wife at this point when they were, I guess, I, I don't know where they were at the time, but at one point he asked his wife, can you go outside and go check him out? Yeah. And she said, uh, no, I'm not going to. I'm scared. Yeah. So she, <laughs> and then, yes, I think the next, uh, some, I guess around midnight, the next meteorologist up at the station came in uh-huh. and Bouchong said he saw, this person saw the radar blips. But wasn't that excited, and he surmised, Bouchong did, that is because, oh, he hadn't seen it from the beginning. He didn't see them doing the craziest stuff that they did. But he still have lots of these giant lights yeah. and the rendezvousing. So why that second guy didn't get more excited, I'm not completely clear on. Right. It doesn't seem like just because they're not doing the most crazy stuff, you'd still go, what the hell is that? Exactly. That's worth looking into. So I, I'm not clear. But that person like didn't report it, didn't talk about it, was apparently completely unimpressed. Huh. I don't know. And Bouchong, so he stayed over. He stayed until 2 a.m., by mm-hmm. which time they just sort of slowly disappeared. They seem to sort of fade out, too. That seems to be, again, the great Cindy Graves mentioned that they fade out like at 9.30, like after seeing for a half hour. Bouchong, and Bouchong's seen different ones. And, right. And, and apparently, they're fading out at different times. They're fading out, but other ones would be be sighted in different parts of, of Michigan and Lake Michigan. Were were they sighted in different areas simultaneously it, so I think that so. it's not the same one just yeah, moving around. Yeah, I was thinking that same thing. I, it seems like it. I don't have a timeline, yeah. weirdly, but because um, you know I love timelines. Uh, you do. And But it does seem like they would have to have been, we know there were multiple lights even seen at the same time in the same place, right? right. By the same witnesses. Mm-hmm. There, I, it seems like there has to have been sightings at, at very different places so they weren't just the same ones moving around and disappearing and reappearing. Right. I think. Okay. That's what it seems to me anyway. So, there was a response to this. The next morning, a journalist named Michael Walsh, he works for the Muskegon Chronicle, he got several calls himself about the lights. So people started calling newspapers sure, yeah. and saying, hey, I saw these crazy lights last night. You know anything about it? What's going on? I thought you should know. So he called the 9-11 Ottawa County Dispatch and he said, hey, I guess you got a bunch of calls last night. Can I get the recording? They said, sure. We'll have them for you in an hour. Wow. That's Very nice. service oriented. So he got them. He went and got the tape. And he starts listening to it, and he just gets more and more amazed. Like, what was going on? He said, quote, it knocks your socks off. People were very calmly describing there's just things in the air. One witness said, quote, they ain't airplanes. 
Wash knew that this was a big story. Yeah. There's tons of calls. They're all describing something pretty darn similar. It's something that planes can't do. So he writes up the story, sends it out to the AP and UPI, the wires, and it is a boom. It becomes a major story overnight. Wow. So the Ottawa County Dispatch, they sent him the tapes. One of those tapes was indeed of Jack Bouchong and Deputy Sheriff Velthouse talking. Again, Bouchong did not know he was being taped. He yeah. was. Since he was a, a National Weather Service meteorologist and he was prominently featured, he's a prominent part of this, he was talking about how he was tracking these things on radar. The media went to the NWS and said, we need a statement. You had one of your guys was talking about and getting hits on the radar of this incredible UFO phenomenon that happened last night. Yeah. It was a statement. So a guy named Lou Greiner, I'm sorry, Leo Greiner, he was Bouchon's boss at the Mystique facility. He said, quote, my guy looked at the radar and observed three echoes as the officer was describing the movement. The officer being uh, Belthouse. The movement of the objects was rather erratic. The echoes were there about 15 minutes, drifting slowly south-southwest, kind of headed toward the Chicago side of the south end of Lake Michigan, end quote. Which really, really, really under-reports right. what happened. That was just for the time he was on the phone with Velthouse. Yeah. Bouchon's story, he had seen it for hours, right. more in different places yeah. at different times. So they're, they're kind of poo-pooing it for sure. And I, otherwise, the NWS was very quiet on the subject. They forbid... Bouchon to speak to the media himself independently when the conversation that he had had with Veldhaus was actually published widely. I think it's about a year after the event. Bouchon was mortified. Yeah. He was embarrassed. Quote, just that people think you're a kook, he told a local TV station. Are you lying? You're not credible. I'm supposed to be a scientist and skeptical. So it was, um, it was bad for him. The NWS you know, they didn't want to be known as like the UFO reporting center. They didn't right. want to be like, oh, call the NWS and demand a, a, a response from right. them. So they really wanted the story to go away. Yeah. And they wouldn't talk about it and then again forbid him to. Which they really should have just said. It, it wasn't weather related. It's yeah. not our area of expertise. Well, they did say, hey, maybe it was something like some kind of a temper inversion or maybe it was like ground clutter catching the, the – so they, they offered it through – a couple of, of maybe half-assed yeah. explanations um, and, and and otherwise tried to wish it away. And at the station, by the way, Bouchon was teased relentlessly. Yeah. They apparently like did like turned paper plates into saucer shaped things and hung them up uh, around his station before he came in the next yeah. day or whenever it was. It got bad enough for him that eventually his boss said, you probably should transfer. Wow. And that's so bullying. He, I know. They, he, he really was. So, and remember, he grew up in Muskegon. This was his great job, yeah. but he actually transferred to the an, an NWS station in Atlanta just wow. to escape the ribbing and the embarrassment. And they did that about five months after the event, I believe. The Michigan chapter of MUFON, that's a mutual UFO network, they got involved very early on. They also received calls directly the next day and, and apparently for a couple of weeks thereafter. They're a volunteer organization. They have a decent reputation at the end of the day, they really are a UFO group, let's yeah. be honest. But they have a decent reputation. There's been plenty of their reports that said, nope, you saw Venus. Yeah. So they sent Virginia Tilly. She's a woman. She's she's based in Western Michigan. She's one of their volunteers. They sent her out to investigate and talk to folks. She interviewed 20 to 30 of the witnesses themselves, direct witnesses who had seen these lights. Yeah. All of them, she interviewed them separately. And over a few weeks after the event, she also uncovered and interviewed two pilots, both of whom wanted to remain 
anonymous yeah. who has said they had seen these giant cylinders from the air when they are up in their aircraft. I don't know if they're commercial pilots, you know, uh, UPS, I have no idea, but yeah. they had two pilots, she said, had seen these objects as well, these lights. Sightings, though, apparently it seems that these sightings begat more sightings later. Because MUFON says, MUFON, I, I saw a quote from MUFON spokesperson who said that the organization received 10 to 15 calls each day for like two or three weeks after the event yeah. on March 8th. People read about the newspaper. And, I, and said, hey, I saw two. So yeah. that, I don't know if that means there were additional sightings or they just were coming forward later. I think B, I think they were coming yeah. forward later, but I'm not 100% positive yeah. on that. Despite the number of people who saw the lights, or at least claim they did, there are no good photographs whatsoever. See, that's what I find weird. I mean, I do too. I know you said somebody should have a camera. It's weird so, that maybe Cindy that didn't. Person didn't have a camera. Someone did. Yes, it's weird that not one person. Yeah. Did anybody say they took pictures? No, there's no pictures in that anybody's and, been able to find out. And find. also, nobody called the local uh, news station or TV station. You know, you think. They did the next, not that night. No, you're right. As far as I can tell, it was people calling 911. Yeah. Yeah, 911. I call it 911. I'm the only person in the world who calls it that. (laughs) Thank you. So there's one video of it, but it's just just like distant lights way up in the sky. Yeah. Videos are never, they never do justice to what you're seeing. Yes. That's why I was thinking like a television station because, I mean, we had a camcorder, but it would have been terrible yeah, quality. But still, yeah, I know. The, even st- if there were a lot of still pictures out there, they just show these lights up in the sky. But they, it would be interesting if you saw five, if you saw, uh-huh. I don't know, if, you, if you're taking pictures from the same place and there was two and then there's five and they're in a straight line, that'd be an interesting picture, mm-hmm. but there aren't any. It's weird. Bouchong's radar equipment, you asked this a minute ago, didn't have any kind of like a hard paper records that it recorded, but it did, I'll talk about it in a second. He, he, so to make up for that, he did some line drawings that illustrated oh, what he could see. Yeah. But apparently there were some images recorded because during the call with Velthouse, Bush Song said this, quote, I wish we had a recording of what I could see. You know, actually there are some blips showing up on the computer part and this is being recorded. So there's going to be a recording of this. So if they can, dot, 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 you might be able to see movement on this if we can play this back. I don't know hmm. exactly what that means. It's not clear what happened to this evidence, if indeed it does exist. Yeah. MUFON has, in, in Michigan, the, 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 I guess the chapter there in, in Michigan, says that they have at least a copy of that recording. Yeah. But they've said themselves, it doesn't really show anything other than what Bouchon described as happening and sort of confirms his description. It's like, no big deal. That seems like a big deal to uh, me. Yeah. So, so I'm a little confused. Why this isn't more important and mm-hmm. MUFON wouldn't come out and say, yeah, everybody should see this or mm-hmm. look at this recording. And it really does back up what Bouchong said he saw, but it seems like it's just never really been publicized. So there's a little, that makes me a little nervous about that because you don't have grid pictures. You have one terrible video and you have this apparent radar recording that even the UFO group kind doesn't, of poo-poos. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little, th- those things yeah. are interesting to me. Eventually the lights would be seen all the way north to Lidington, up in northwestern Michigan, down to the border with Indiana, and uh, which is at the kind of the south end of Lake Michigan. That's about 200 miles. So about 200 miles along the yeah. western side of Michigan, there were sightings of these lights. And again, well in, into central Michigan as well. 
Witnesses were pretty consistent about their descriptions too. The lights never looked like and did anything like airplanes are blimps. He said that, that people said they're they move kind of strangely and erratically and they would merge and separate. They blink on and off. And lots of witnesses said they changed colors. They'd be go like blue, red, green, white, and they'd change colors even as mm. they moved across the sky. So that's a little weird, isn't it? When they were seen seemingly closer, like by the Graves family, they were described as these like circles or cylinders. And to the witnesses, they seemed metallic. Right. And always after a while, it seems like they would just sort of flicker out and disappear uh-huh. after some time. Bouchong would be forever changed by this experience. So again, he, uh, he feared he was going to lose his job. And he refused to speak about it for over 20 years. Wow. Yeah. I, I think that the... The Unsolved Mystery is kind of the first time he really mm-hmm. has become very, very public about it. He said what first, though, inspired him to go public was, was I think, if I interpreted what he said right, the Tic Tac UFO and where the government and the Pentagon released those two. And there was another video, too, where they released those videos and said, we don't know what these are. Right. Yeah. And that kind of – and he felt that was almost like a vindication. He said, quote, I guess I've been waiting for this vindication, which I didn't think I was going to get all my life. I don't know that's a vindication. Uh, yeah, I don't know how that's vindication. But, but okay. it, it inspired him. So, okay, like, like I said a minute ago, or yeah. at the start of this, UFOs seem to be, be serious people are saying, oh, let's understand this but, better, yeah, which and, I think is, is about time. And like I can be honest about this without yeah. being labeled a kook. Yep, which frankly, I'll be honest, in 1994, maybe, barely, I, honestly, it swung the other way around at this point. I think you're likely to get, at least in terms of, you know, as is portrayed on TV and things like that, it's, well, yeah. it's all the other way. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it seems like you have a lot more, your megaphone is much, much larger if you say it's, it's aliens as opposed to if you say, no, it's Venus. Well, of course, because it's not exciting to be but that the, didn't used to be true. the reasonable, rational person. Here, I know, you know, but that didn't, there's been a, trust me, there's been a sea change in how uh, unexplained phenomena and paranormal things ha- are, are treated yeah. from 2030 and then before that completely yeah. you could almost which is in, in many ways it's about goddamn time they're taken more seriously i agree with that it's always swung too far where now people are completely credulous and believe nonsense that when they shouldn't right it needs to be we need a happy meeting hopefully we'll get there next but it's yeah. gone from you know making fun of people who are serious about it like bushong to believing any idiot who says whatever they saw and just yeah. make shit up we call that discovery channel so, and and also the history <laughs> channel so so what exactly? Let's explanations. What Swamp were guess. those lights in the sky over Michigan that we, did impact what? Swamp gas. Swamp gas. They were not swamp <laughs> gas. Uh, in the 1995, the Chicago Tribune wrote that various investigations into the events ruled out things like swamp gas, yeah. small private aircraft, military aircraft, blimps, weather balloons, satellites, meteors, and space debris falling to Earth. Here's my problem with that, though. There was no, you know, government, quote unquote, no. Um, mainstream investigation that investigation that Chicago Tribune is cited has to be the investigation of the MUFON so you know so yes MUFON the effect you know again has done some good work in the past but at the end of the day it's still a very much a pro-UFO group if a pro-UFO group says oh it's nothing that it can't be explained you have to take that with a a big grain of salt so wait if this was over Lake Michigan Mm mm-hmm isn't like the Coast Guard probably active in Lake Michigan? Did I mean, nobody? For sure. So did anybody contact the military mm. during it so they could check their radar? No, no. Nine Eleven I mean, is like they like 
they sent out Sheriff Deputy Velthouse to go talk to him. Or they called the National Weather Service to talk yeah. to him and hand the radar. But it's not like they're going to alert the, the Pentagon. They never took it. Remember, the 9-11 callers, I mean, dispatchers, aren't seeing it. They're just getting lots of reports. So they, sure. they, they got enough reports where they thought, something's going on. Yeah. Let's get the police involved. Let's get the NWS involved, but not let's get the Coast Guard or the military involved. They never got to that. Yeah. Should have. Probably. At least. Um, oh, sorry. Well, so, okay, but, okay. So the military, the Air Force, the Navy, the Coast Guard, they don't have radar? They do have radar and they have better radar, but they never were alerted to it at the, t- alerted to it at the so time. So they it have to be alerted. About, it's not going to just yes. show up on our radar. I mean. Um, you know, that's a good question. Like for, for Bouchon, he obviously didn't know about it until 10, 10 o'clock when Velthouse, when the dispatcher called him and then mm-hmm. later Velthouse called him and said, hey, go, go find. And he went and found it. I don't think the radar is like where it just blanket coverage. I don't, you know, I don't know. I know. I don't know either. And that, but clearly he did not see anything until they, yeah. they said, go look. It would be interesting. Well, because it's not his job. So I know, it's but, not the national weather service. They're looking for weather. They're not yeah, looking for incoming aircraft yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But there's true. gotta be somebody who is, uh, we're monitoring our skies, aren't we? Airports would think. Yeah. And at, Wherever we are, at, because this is uh, near the border with Canada, we have a very peaceful border. Yes, if this had happened yeah. in Alaska, Looking north toward yeah. or, or east towards west towards Russia, maybe it's a different story. I don't know. Yeah, but no, nothing. There's no reports. Anything I've read, like the Coast Guard radar didn't didn't or did have hits or anything like that, or, yeah. any, or any airport radar for that matter either. Huh. We know somebody in the Coast Guard. Maybe I'll ask him. You should do that and find out. Well, can we blow a lid off of this? Tell him. Yeah. He, he needs to get the secret report <laughs> from, from 1994. 1994. <laughs> well, we'll make this huge. Okay. I guess the most obvious, the first kind of go to is some kind of military aircraft, right? There's right. a ton of secrecy in military maneuvers. The Pentagon keeps weapons and new secret weapons secret for a very, as long as they possibly can for obvious reasons. Yeah. But that secrecy makes this answer unlikely because right. this Why would they super do not secret. Yeah. This yeah. was very brazen. Yeah. They would not have even had known craft do that, let alone right. unknown secret new craft yeah. showing with these incredible feats of agility and speed. And here's the thing, of course, obviously, we still, right. 20-something years later, yeah. almost 20 years later, don't have anything that can do that. What so, do you mean almost 30 years later? I'm sorry, 30, yeah, well, almost 30 years later now. We don't have anything yeah. that could do anything remotely like that that we know of. That's right. So I think we can safely put away the military aircraft. We have swamp gas. We've already said that's nonsense. Let's move on. Now there's something that is a little more promising, which is mass hysteria. I know this argument kind of seems hackneyed to people because it's used a lot to counter sort of unexplainable things. But the reason it's used a lot to counter unexplainable things is because very often it is involved in unexplainable events. Well, yeah, but these weren't people, these weren't next door neighbors calling 911. These were people apart from each other. Calling at the same time. So they're all independently seeing this. For the most part, yes. Yeah, the the subsequent yes, calls the conti- days yeah. after there's newspaper reports, yeah. that could be that. And, and just le- people jumping on the bandwagon. Yes. But let's not forget, it is mass hysteria. Let's, let's start with it taking it seriously and admit that mass hysteria is super common. Anybody and everybody is susceptible to it. There is this contagiousness to it. And according to MUFON, as we mentioned a minute ago or a little while ago, the calls were, the, you know, two to three weeks after they had more calls. So right. that would be what you just said, uh-huh. that, that there could be an element here. That's more, that seems like more bandwagoning than mass hysteria, it, yeah. I think, probably. Or, or just 
there were reports of mysterious lights. I see yeah. mysterious lights. Yeah. You know, we've been on dog walks and I yeah. see weird, oh, yeah. weird lights in the sky. And then we watch them for a few seconds and then they yeah. are clearly airplanes. That, that's a great, think about yourself. Think about past. We've all been victims, if that's the right word, of something that could have easily been mass hysteria. We could have, if someone, uh-huh. so, I mean, think about it. Um, uh, it seems weird that you could, your memory could be changed or something like that, mm-hmm. or your vision can be changed, but it, it certainly can. Our memories are pliable and they play tricks on us. So sometimes you can misremember things or even at the, at the point, almost in a way, the misremembering, almost in a way that's similar to false confessions, which I know your mind rebels out. People don't think that's true, but it is. So yeah. You can you can misremember things. So a lot of the people who maybe called in later maybe were misremembering right. things or even inventing fake memories. I think that makes sense for a lot of those yeah. later ones. I agree with you. Oh, I absolutely misremember things. Yeah. Especially when, oh, they, that, they read in the media. Anytime, all, I hate to say this, but all sightings after a significant amount of, of attention are, are much, much, much more suspect than the sightings prior yeah. to that, of course. But, but so we, but we can't use that to discount no, all the right. simultaneous ones at the time. Yep. So that's why I don't think this does not sound like mass hysteria no. to me mm-hmm. because the initial sightings were tested to independently yeah. across a very wide area, yeah. by the way, incredibly wide area. By people mostly with no contact with one another, mm-hmm. they were they also pretty consistent. They were confirmed by radar, and, and by the way, confirmed in radar that agreed when they were making comparisons to what was being seen on the ground. When Vet House and Bouchon were saying, "I see these things," right, they were seeing the same thing. They were seen by multiple people at the same time repeatedly. So, in my mind, something real was at the at the heart of this in, in Michigan in 1994. Again, it may have sparked mass hysteria afterwards, but it doesn't. Yeah, it's not a good answer for the initial reports. No. How about a close cousin, which is mass misperception? So, was it something like I don't know, make it up meteors, weird craft, but someone framed it for you in a way? that was ufo so in other words when holly graves comes out and says look at this or when the kid joey comes out to i'm sorry to his mom i can't remember their name now and says go look look at that that's yeah. a ufo do you then see that otherwise explicable thing as something inexplicable i think that can happen a lot so it's a it's a form of misperception that is sort of again sort of contagious yeah. you're 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 framed or conditioned to okay. look at it in a certain way but how you just you have said that a lot of the nine one one callers called and didn't necessarily call and say, "Hey, I see a UFO in the sky." They said, "Hey, do you know if something going on? Is the military yeah. doing something? Is something doing something?" You know. By the way, Carrie, spot on. <laughs> Are you in reenactor actor? Because you probably should be. You need That's to call. That's my Michigan accent. That's that wasn't an accent at all, but I, that was good though. I mean, there was emotion, there was depth of feeling there. That was good. But you know what I mean. So yeah, I, I know they, exactly what you mean. They were people calling, say, we don't know what's up there. It's weird. Do you know what it is? I completely agree. So, In other words, for some, if four people come out and the first person says, is that a UFO up there? Those other three people mm -hmm. can misperceive it. But people by themselves, or is everybody going to misperceive it in the same way and lead their family to misperceive it in the same way over the course of an entire night over 200 miles of of Western Michigan coast? I don't think so. But my point is there are probably plenty of the callers who who never even use the term UFO. They just were calling to report it or to see if the police could explain to them what it is. Yes, I agree. So... How about the, well, we'll get to this in a second, but something that's a little bit more plausible is the cause of these Muskegon lights, whatever you want to call them, was something we don't yet understand. Something very much terrestrial of this right. earth, but 
an atmospheric phenomenon. I know Jack Bouchong said, I don't know what it could be. And maybe, but maybe that's true because we, humankind, don't know what it is. That is to say, some kind of an atmospheric phenomenon that we, as even now, don't understand, don't know, is probably very, very, very rare, but it can cause what looks like lights to bounce yeah. around and do crazy stuff. And yeah, and I mean, that, and that their brains filled in, oh, it looks like a chrome surface, which, oh, it looks metal, which... That's I, very human. That's what I'm... Humans do yes. pyridolia or, or yeah. uh, something like that, yep. where you do make things into something that's more understandable uh-huh. from when it's not understandable. Yeah. That's but, extremely but odd. But it... Something so rare that it hadn't happened before that. And it well, who says it hasn't happened before that? We see, we see lots of different lights in the sky. Sometimes they're perfectly answered. Sometimes they're I not. I know, but, but that hasn't looked very similar to that. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> um, so that, that might sound ludicrous, but then again, you have to do the kind of Occam's razor thing and say, okay, is that any more ludicrous than intergalactic? This race that, that has mastered intergalactic travel yeah. is going to come over here and just kind of screw around and do circus tricks up in the Air Force for several hours. Yeah. That's weird. Um, it's, it's, I, it's like we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And if there is some kind of atmospheric phenomenon that can do something like this, then, and, and we still don't know it. Some people have said, for instance, is it something like the Northern Lights? Is it something magnetic yeah. field? Who knows? We just don't know. Yeah. So, which I know is a terrible answer because I'm saying, I don't know what it is, but it doesn't mean it's aliens. It could be something we don't understand. That's not a great answer, but it's a fair answer. Yeah. It's not absurd to think that. And that maybe it meshes with hysteria and misperception to force lots of people, at least dozens. Less, maybe it wasn't 300, but it was at least 60 or seven, whatever on that first night, I'm saying. Yeah. There's a lot of people. Many dozens of people saw these things of these lights above their homes. But wait, back to the uh-huh. to the atmospheric condition that we don't understand. Would that kind of thing show up on the radar? Yes, that, I mean okay. radar is NWS radar is designed right. to see whether you know storm fronts and things like that. So yeah, but they know what those things look. They like. They do, but I, this is this could be a thing that we don't understand it, and it affects. You know, I'll get to that in one second. Hold yeah. On one okay. Second. So you say, okay, well. Why are we seeing it so specific? Why do a lot of people interpret it as UFOs? I know not everybody did, but a lot of folks did. And the answer to that is is actually fairly simple, is that I, I think by this point, and certainly and, and I would say this is true from 1984, it's 94 rather, it's certainly true now, is that we have kind of been conditioned as as humankind, mm-hmm. certainly Western world, yeah. to if you see something up in the sky and you don't know what it is, you we go to UFOs. Yeah. We just do. Mm-hmm. It, 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 for better or worse, that's what we first think of. So, do you see these this weird atmospheric condition that looks like lights of some sort, and you start ascribing otherworldly, you know, qualities to it? I think there's a, there's certainly a possibility yeah. there at least. Yeah. So it's a cultural thing, uh, and we and we think UFOs. Again, the problem is like they, they seem to be very precise movements from these these lights that we're seeing. They seem that at the time they are very linear. Their behavior doesn't seem very natural, does it? You'd think that'd be just right. weird and haphazard. Yep. And, and sometimes they were. So kind of both. They were described sometimes as acting very radically and doing strange things, but other times as acting sort of they, they, they were some kind of stationary line or something like that. So I don't know. Yeah. But then they would suddenly dart and, and do the very darkness and the and the especially the things like 72,000 miles per hour. Yeah. That just scream something atmospheric that that's sort of yeah. essentially an artifact. And I just think there's got to be some really smart person out there who heard about it. If it was some sort of natural thing, yeah. would would have some sort of 
theory or or we a possibility. Just, it's no, we have no clue. Yeah. Let's, let's let's say that. Yeah. We have absolutely, like I said, some people thought, I don't know, something northern lights light. That's just a stab. Yeah. It, this would have to be some kind of an atmospheric phenomenon that we just don't know anything about at all. Yeah. And it's probably extremely rare. And it's yeah. just and but you asked about the radar, right? How about the radar hits? Well. Yes, atmospheric conditions can affect radar. They're designed to track those kinds of things. Yeah. So radar judges speed by something called the Doppler shift. Yep. That's the change in frequency of the radio waves as the object moves away from the detection source, like think of a police radar. Yeah. Radar also uses radio waves to estimate altitude. So it pings from the underlying terrain. So altitude is from the un- so the underlying terrain is a thousand fair feet, a thousand feet. It's gonna it's gonna tell you how much above that terrain it is, uh-huh. and then it pings back to ground. That's how radar establishes altitude. So what if this atmospheric phenomenon we're talking about, we're guessing at, causes exactly that? It interferes with radio wa- waves mm. and our radio frequencies. Yeah. See, if it does that, then that very much could explain why it could be hit and why it could confuse radar installations. Yeah. And why it did that? I, I, again, I have no idea. It's pure speculation. Right. It's just a guess, but it's a possibility at least. Mm-hmm. Again, some of the the sudden altitude shifts and the speeds right. ah, that to me Doesn't just feels seem, like yeah. something atmospheric, some something that's not real. That's not right. an actual object doing these. And even a UFO doing that would be amazing. A amazing, but you know, sure they can do that. We right. we, we have no what the yeah. technology is, but also. Why? Yeah. What's the point? Yeah. It seems just like even Bouchon said it's like they're showing off. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So now we come to the obvious explanation. UFOs. Yeah. Extraterrestrials. What these lights did at the speeds they did would, would have to be something alien to us in terms of the technology for it to have been, assuming these are real objects. But then you ask, what's the purpose yeah. of this? So the MUFON investigator, remember Virginia Tilly? She got one report from a supposed witness that said it was a young couple at the time and that they claimed they were spending the night camping along Lake Michigan, south of the town of Benton Harbor. They said that sometime around midnight, they were woken up by a bright light outside their tent over the water, over Lake Michigan. Mm -hmm. So they stepped outside, they wanted to investigate, and they said that they saw just a massive column of water being sucked up into the sky over Lake Michigan by something very, very high above. Uh-huh. They said the column of water was about 20 feet around, I guess, diameter, and it would, but it was like backlit in some way. So they could see it very clearly. It was almost like it was lit up. Yeah. So they were spooked. They packed up. They got the hell out of there. Bouchong, the NWS guy, he said, so he was told about this. And at that time, he said he was tracking the lights at about a mile above Lake Michigan. So that indicates that something a mile above was sucking water in a column from Lake Michigan into its craft. Yeah. I don't know. He also noted, Bouchong did, as did Tilly. He, he, uh, I mean, uh, this is an Unsolved Mystery show. He says, isn't it weird how often aliens, um, UFOs, are associated with water and bodies of water and that yeah. he also remembered that the UFOs, as he tracked them, these lights in the sky never went over the ice. They stayed over the open water, right. the unfrozen part of the lake. Aliens, he never says this. Aliens like water. But it sounds like they're stealing our water, mm-hmm. doesn't it? So yeah. the aliens came here many, 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 many light years to steal our fresh water. Maybe according they're doing to this. tests. Maybe they're testing maybe. our water. Maybe. And maybe a lot yeah. of it. it. That seems 
like the implication of what was said, it also seems really, really dumb. Yeah. That's just, I, I, the, the couple that said that is full of shit. Yeah. They were lying to her, pure and simple. That's the yeah. stupidest thing in the world. It's easy to say this happened. It's nonsense. Uh, my, my guess is that's just dumb. Yeah. So, but it does bring up something that this, this actions were super, again, brazen. So the same thing that you hit the military aircraft with, like, why would they do it so uh, so clearly? You can hit the UFO explanation with as well. Why would they be – UFOs are supposedly hiding from us. They've yeah. never want, gone to the White House and asked for a meet and greet. Yeah. Why would they do something so brazen, so visible to so many people for such a long period of time? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's – I mean – it's it if they want to view if aliens want to remain anonymous they would never do something yeah. like this and if they don't want to remain anonymous <laughs> then then they haven't done what they should be doing but maybe they came to earth and they were hanging out there for a while and then their cloaking mechanism broke oh, down yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah for and, five hours in which case they uh-huh. didn't just fly out uh, away from us they went maybe, and did crazy shit maybe that everything we were broke sure down. to see maybe things their systems are going haywire <sighs> And they were getting things fixed? No, but I will say this. <laughs> I will say this. This to well, me. Well, why not? It's just. I'm just gonna, well, I'm I just, know because you don't think it's. No, because that's just that's just weird. I, I, I will say this, though. I will say yeah. this. I don't think. I think this is the best case or one of the best cases. Yes, I, I would quibble with these these aliens doing something so brazen. And no, it's not because yeah. this is broke down. But, <laughs> um, well, but still, it could be something yeah. we just don't understand at all. Exactly. That's my point. It seems we, weird. We, but, you are ascribing yes. human ideas yes. to what we think extraterrestrials would do if yeah. they make it yeah. to Earth. But it, Why? Okay, so their behaviors like this, we kind of don't care if you see us but we're not going to purposely be seen that you almost have. And by the way, that goes with everything is we have, if they really want, if you have aliens want to remain anonymous, they've done a shit job of it over the last many decades. <laughs> Cause if you trust the number of UFO sightings, they're terrible. Their cloaking devices suck all the time. Yeah. So I don't know that. To I me, don't know either. I, but, but, but I agree. We can't ascribe the human uh, motivations to mm-hmm. them. We don't know. I think given the, it's just the number of sightings, the consistency, the number of independent witnesses, yeah, the radar hits as well, make this one of the best cases for alien-type UFO visitations yeah. ever, by far. And so it doesn't help, given that, it doesn't help when Leo Griner, remember he was the NWS guy that was Bouchon's boss? Yeah. He told the Chicago Tribune about a year later after the, the event, he says, quote, I don't believe for a minute there was any kind of alien structure. I think there is fairly strong earthly explanations for what occurred. But then... He refused to say what those earth explanations <laughs> yeah. actually were. And, and that's fine. He, no, it's not fine. It is too. He, he, he feels they are, but he doesn't know what okay. they are. Okay. He told one that's reporter, he said, quote, I have a pretty good idea, end quote, of what it was. Mm. But he still wouldn't say. He mentioned, quote, he, okay, he mentioned he might reveal his wisdom after he retired oh, from okay. the NWS. He's retired, I'm sure. Yeah. But he's never come forward. So yeah. he's full of shit. He had yes. no idea. Yeah. So that those kind of things do when government officials or whatever say things like that, it doesn't help. No. You're not helping. Uh-oh. Just say you don't know. Yeah. The lakefront event. Which is fine. Say I don't know. That doesn't mean it's extraterrestrial. Yeah. It ju- yes. You know? Yes. Maybe it was like, like you know, maybe it was something atmospheric. We don't understand it. Moving on. Yeah. Or, yeah. or if you're if you're national security, then you're actually, we want to understand this. And that's where we're getting to more and more is like, we need to understand it. Yeah. So not moving on, let's look into it. Yeah. 
this lakefront event, Muskegon Lights, whatever you want to call it, it was not the last time Michigan was possibly visited by something from very far away. There was something called the Paulding Light that shone over, again, the western part of the Upper Peninsula in 2016. So that's very north. That's above Michigan, the mitten shape right. <laughs> of the, the Upper Peninsula is north of that. So in 2016, this light was seen deep in the forest in these rugged forested areas. It glowed super bright. It was seen to change size, to change shape, and to change color before finally, just like the lakefront lights, it sort of faded out. Hmm. Interesting. So it's not, so maybe it's not a one of a time a one of a kind kind of event in 1994. It just was this time. This Paulian light was maybe a lesser event, and yeah. also in a place where there's a lot fewer people. And 1994 was not even the first visit to that same area. Way back in April 10th, 1897, a seeming airship was seen over Alma in central Michigan. And more ships were seen over Benton Harbor, which is kind of in the southwest. Then the very next night, they floated above the lake for about 15 minutes before fading away. They flickered from blue to red to green, almost wow. like Christmas lights. Yeah. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. So that's three possible events that could be a similar thing. Yeah. So what's your shot in the dark? What do you think it is? No Was. idea. Your idea. Yeah. I, I have absolutely no clue. I want to say that I would love for it to be aliens with bad cloaking devices. Sure. <laughs> absolutely. I'm like any normal human. But... My gut of guts say, which is not a thing, says that um, something atmospheric, just like like the way it acted, the amazing feats. There's is no craft, it's no yeah. plane, it's nothing like that. It's not planets. It's not. I don't. It's not meteors either, too, because no. they do things yeah. like hover and stuff like that. Yeah. It's none of the usual suspects. So it's the unusual suspect. So yeah. that could be alien craft, or that could be some kind of a phenomenon that we just simply do not yeah. understand, and, and we don't even come close to understanding yeah. it yet, and may never. Or at least not for that's a little bit weird to me. It's very weird. See, that's that's the interesting thing. That would be almost as weird as a uh, alien visitation if it, it was some kind of phenomenon that's yeah. so incredibly rare. But especially maybe in this, maybe it's the, it has to do with water. Maybe yeah. You know, these are huge bodies of water. The Great Lakes are absolutely massive. Right. They're inland seas. So maybe it, there's something like that involved here. It's also this is um, a, a cold northern area i don't know i have no idea it's just weird to me because you know we've lived in these areas for hundreds of years and you think every weather condition has existed multiple times and well it may have yeah it may have at least three times in in a century plus i mean well so that's possible in this in the same area too maybe it's very localized or something like that or maybe it's not localized and we just we understand it so little then when we do see seem to see lights doing crazy things, it is this condition. Again, I'm not saying that's true. Yeah, I'm saying that that's worth study. What you know else is worth study? Alien visitation yeah. is worth studying. Yeah. We we should be looking into that. Yeah. So yeah, that's the story of the Muskegon lights or whatever you want to call them in 1994. One of the best, maybe the best, the uh, you know the 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 potential for true UFO craft being seen. In American in, in the yeah. history of UFOs, it's one of the episodes that is most difficult to quote unquote explain rationally it, yeah. explain. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, thanks, Dean. Sure, anytime. Okay, glad to do it. <laughs> I know you are. Okay, we'll see you. <laughs> thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.